Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. And now, Financial Renaissance with the M's. Knowledge Seekers, welcome to Financial Renaissance with the M's. I am your host, Emma Folks, certified financial planner, financial expert, subject matter expert, just throwing a bunch of things, veteran, daughter, wife, mom, all that good stuff wrapped into one person. It's a lot of good stuff wrapped into one person. God gave me too many good gifts, and unfortunately or fortunately, I've got a a couple of little things that I'm not so good at, like um, checking my voicemail. So I want to say sorry to everyone who has left me a voice message and I have not returned your call. Just text me. I apologize. Well, listen, I had a great week last week. I, we spent the week down in Tampa, Florida. Um, I had a great time with some clients. I had a great time with some friends I hadn't seen in a while. And just being by the water is always so tranquil. It just kind of, no matter what's going on in your life, looking at water, for me, just kind of brings me down, just kind of calms me and centers me. And everybody has to figure out what is it that kind of centers you? What is it about nature that brings you back to where you need to be? For some people, it's going out in the backyard and chilling, you know, getting grounded, taking your shoes off, stepping on the lawn. I can't do that for a lot of reasons, but, you know, being near the ocean is my way of grounding myself. And maybe that's why I watch so much, uh, so many of those water-themed shows, you know, like, uh, what is it, Blue Planet, Planet Earth, etc. cetera, uh, anything with David Attenborough. But, <clears throat> excuse me, shout out to A.J. Fresh in Tampa and Captain Ron in Tampa. The National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, NGLCC, had their conference last week, so I kind of jumped on uh, the tail end of that with, uh, with my manager, Petrina Bloodworth. Um, also want to give a shout out to Life Lux Jazz. Uh, we're going to be doing a, there's going to be an international jazz experience in November that I will be taking part of. Also say hello to CJ. But listen, we've got a great show for you today. We have Charla Mitchell from Know the, oh man, did I mess that up? Yes, I did. Charlie Mitchell. And then I also have to talk to you guys about what's going on with our stock market this week. Stock market has been absolutely insane. So I'm going to let you know what's going on with that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about an economic shakedown that happened in the early 19th, uh, or I should say early 1900s, you know. Um, so uh, if you have um, any comments things of that nature you want to go to sensation station network on facebook go ahead and like it that's when you you know you hit the thumb thingy and then uh you can drop your comments thoughts things of that nature in there or you can even text us at 678-613-5857 and you can follow along with us uh, on my facebook live at emma folks uh you can also um find me during the week at uh, emma knows money on any of those social media thingies except Snapchat. Uh, when we come back in 300 seconds, I'm going to talk to you again about that war by deed of title, Black Farmers. If you have the questions, we have the answers. Right. Go to SSNATL.com and click on the contact tab. As much as you like. We're the nation's urban station. Online. SSNATL.com. This country, you've got to make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. And 
we're back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Thank you for joining me this morning. Hope you are having a wonderful Sunday. You are listening to us live on SSNATL.com. That's on the internet. So even if you're in your car on the way to church, on your way back from church, you should be able to hear us. And on uh, Facebook, you can find us at Sensation Station Network. Hit the like button and we should show up. You can watch what, what's going on in the studio right from Facebook. So whether it's on your watch, on your phone, uh, on your computer, what have you, you should be able to watch the show live. Um, today, On today's show, we've got a couple of good things that are happening. One, we have Charla Mitchell from Know the Cloth. She's our special guest. And then we're going to have a sneakerhead stock report, as usual. But first, let's explore a land heist. And when I say land heist, I mean like a robbery you know, of the worst kind, you know what I mean? So I was reading an article, there's a magazine called The Atlantic, and I was reading in the magazine about um, some black farmers and what happened to black farmers uh, in the early 19th century. So I'll tell you what happened. It was a war, a war waged by deed of title, and it dispossessed, somebody looked that up for me. Uh, that's our financial word of the day, dispossessed. Somebody look that up, tell me what that means, all right? So it dispossessed 98% of black agricultural landowners in America, okay? Let that sink in. 98% of the people in the 1900s that own land, only 2% left still have farmland, okay? Let that sink in. What happened to all that wealth? That's what we're going to dig into a little bit today. So one of the culprits or one of the recipients of this great land heist is actually, a lot of us are going to be feeling some kind of way. It's in our retirement plans or in your retirement plans. If you have a retirement plan run by TIAA, okay, which is now Nuveen, you too are part of this great land heist. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. So. In, um, TIAA is one of the largest pension firms in the United States today. And with TIAA, its subsidiaries, and a bunch of other companies, uh, TIAA has a portfolio of more than 80,000 acres in Mississippi alone, and most of those are in the Delta region, okay? And this even includes this fertile crescent of, of Arkansas. If you put that in with Mississippi, TIAA owns more than 130,000 acres in a strip of counties all along the Mississippi River, okay? And I'm not singling out TIAA by no, no stretch of the imagination. I've got my own issues with them, you know, during my nine to five, but right now this is just straight up facts. They're not the only company um, that is has benefited from um, the Great Land Heist. There's also Hancock Agricult Agricultural Investment Group. They manage more than 65,000 acres in the, um, they have a fund called Delta States. There's a real estate trust called Farmland Partners. They have 30,000 acres uh, in and around the Delta. And then there's Agrivest. They're a subsidiary of the Swiss bank UBS, you know who that is, Old Payne Weber. They have about 22,000 acres, okay, of farmland down there. So here's, here's a little factoid. Black people that were living and working in the Delta, you know, today, most of them have been completely uprooted from the soil as property owners. So when we look at the disproportion between white Americans and black Americans when it comes to wealth, some of this has to do with land. So in Washington County, Mississippi, black people make up 72% of the population, but only 11% uh, own farmland. Okay, that, that's pretty sad. 
And again, this is not a story about TIAA or, or any of these other companies, but it's really to shed light on, you know, on America, peel back the layers of that onion on, on our great country. There's a lot of things that happen in the founding of our country that has led us to where we are today, and we just need to be aware of it, all right? So in this, in this article, the author points out that the newfound dominance in the region is merely just the topsoil, just the top layer covering a history of loss and legally sanctioned theft, all right? So the author goes on to say that TIAA's position is instrumental in understanding how both, um, how the crimes of the Jim Crow laws have been laundered by time. Okay, he used the word laundered. We usually use laundered um, when we're talking about illegal or ill-gotten gains like, you know, drugs and whatever else it is that people do out there. And we're going to talk about how these ill-gotten gains have become a structural part of American life as we know it today. Uh, when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I'm going to talk to you about, you know, embracing your financial power and our market movers and losers and also my top five news stories of this week. All right, and we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Hey, great show today. We are talking about the great land robbery. What has happened in Mississippi, in the United States, in the early 1900s, which has led to the poverty of a whole group, a race of people in the southern region. So if you're hearing about this structural dysfunction for the first time, only once shame on shame on you it fooled me we can't get fooled again that's right if you're hearing about this structural dysfunction for the first time shame on you uh take notes and the next time you hear a group of minorities or any disenfranchised person complaining about the system before you want to tell them to pull themselves up by the bootstraps or something like that you know why don't you make sure that their grandfathers uh, actually had boots or that their grandparents or great-grandparents' boots weren't stolen from them, okay? So let's just jump into the checkered history of the North American country that we call America, a.k.a. United States of America. And because we're cocky, we refer to ourselves as America and Americans. To heck with uh, Canada and Mexico, even though they're part of North America, we just focus on ourselves. But let's look at the tapestry of America. So let's go to the West Coast. The Europeans, and when I say Europeans, there's lots of different countries in Europe. The Spain, the Spaniards, the people that speak Spanish, because a lot of times we forget that the language of Espanol is actually spoken in Europe, okay? The Spaniards took the southwest region of the United States. So what we know is California today, the Arizonas, the New Mexicos, all of that stuff where these brown people keep coming back to is because it was their land at once upon a time. France got the middle of the United States and the Brits took the eastern seaboard, okay? Um, so the land was first taken away, again, by the Native, you know, taken from the Native Americans by force. Uh, it was then cleared, watered, and made productive for intensive agricultural by labor of enslaved Africans, okay? So these people that they stole and kidnapped from Africa, they brought to the Americas and they made them work this land, the land that we are on today. Um, later through a, a variety of means, and usually it was by any means necessary. Sometimes it was legal, 
Oftentimes it was coercive. In many cases, it was legal and coercive. Occasionally, it was even pretty violent. Farmland owned by black people ended up in the hands of white people. That's just our history, okay? This, so this land that was stolen was washed and rinsed and washed and rinsed again. And finally, they tumble dried it into larger holdings. And then one more final rinse to wash away those sins of deception off the land, all right, and make it nice and smell pretty for them boys on Wall Street, for them to feel comfortable with the distance of the ill-gotten gains, you know. And you know I love numbers, okay? Numbers are one of those things we really can't argue too much about. It's kind of like facts. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, in the year 1910, there were 25,000 black farm operators. And that was in an increase of almost 20% from 1900. So after slavery, a lot of the African descendants did what they needed to do to take care of themselves. The black farmland in Mississippi at that time in 1910 totaled 2.2 million acres. Let that sink in. 2.2 million acres was owned by black people in the United States of America in Mississippi. We're talking 14% of all black-owned agricultural land in the country, okay? Mississippi had the most black farmers out of any state in the 1900s. And where did it go? So for black landowners, their foothold was never secure in this country. Even though they owned stuff, they were never secure. From the beginning, even the most enterprising black landowners found themselves fighting um, basically a war of attrition. Uh, there, there were going to be legal obstacles that made passing the title of that land to future generations very, very, very difficult. Um, some people, you know, they had to borrow against future crops for equipment and things like that. Some people during that time, also when they needed loans, they had to borrow money from some of the white uh, powers that be. And the white powers that be would lend them money if the politicians would vote against reconstruction. So there was a whole lot of stuff that was done that you know we kind of uh, don't agree with, but it happened. Um, there was a, a wealthy um, black politician who was a Republican at the time. Um, well, actually, he was a Democrat at the time, which is today's Republican. He too, he had 200 acres when he started, and they asked him to help vote out reconstruction. And you know, again, I'm not here to judge, but he voted against it. Afterwards, his patrons left him, so hey, he had no more constituents, nobody wanted to vote for him, and he was left with only 20 acres. So out of 200 acres, even though he voted against himself and his own people, he was left with 20 acres. So I don't judge, you know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those facts of things that happen in our, in our great country. But this factoid is gonna blow your mind. Half a million, that's 500,000 black-owned farms across the country failed in the 25 years after 1950. So all these people came home from the war, okay? World War II, came home from the war, and a lot of their farms failed. How did that happen? I have no idea. Uh, the former president, Joe Brooks, uh, the Brooks, the former president of the Emergency Land Fund, estimated that six million acres was lost by black farmers from 1950 to 1969. So again, 19, in 19 years, six million acres were lost. So I know you guys are visual like I am, so let, let's figure out what that means. So from 1950 to 1969, an average of 820 acres a day, 
okay? 820 acres is the size of New York City's Central Park. 820 acres a day was erased with each sunset. That's how the land was wiped out, okay? So in the, in the 1960s, black-owned cotton farms also disappeared. And we'll talk, uh, I'll break down those numbers when we come back from our break on Financial Renaissance with the M's. Texas, your shout-outs are required. Web 6, 7, 8, 6, 1, 3, 5, 8, 5, 7, to reveal SmackDown Down. And we're back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. We're deepening our financial knowledge this morning. That's right. We're going to have my top five news stories coming up. But hey, but first, let's talk about this trip. I'm inviting you to join me in Los Cabos, Mexico for the Life Lux Jazz Festival, November 7th through the 11th. Life Lux Jazz pairs an upscale destination with luxury accommodations, great golf, engaging workshops, including mine. I'll be doing a financial planning for caregivers workshop down there. And you'll be nestled on the breathtaking Sea of Cortez, enjoying world-class artists like Gerald Albright, Incognito, and the average white band. That's right. Join us down. Uh, if you need to um, get tickets and hotel accommodations, things of that nature, go to Life Lux Jazz, L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E, jazz.com for more information. All right. We have a guest in the studio this morning. Are you nervous? We have Charla Mitchell. Am I saying it right? You are. Yes. I'm going to ask you every time I say you before <laughs> I say your name. From Know the Cloth. Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your company. How'd you end up in my studio this morning? Oh, so um, my partner, um, Andrew uh, Snorton, he is phenomenal in just getting me out there and being able to present this new venture um, of many of my businesses, um, which is cloth. I um, established cloth under my parent company, Hazel Eyes Fashion House, LLC. Um, I'm a full-time fashion designer and shop owner. And I wanted to extend that um, to open up a marketplace, but also a collective of other creative businesses to where we come together, collaborate, um, show your products, uh, sell to the community, and just have conversation and, you know, the importance of collaboration within our community, um, as well as build a bigger relationship in terms of starting internships um, among creative small businesses and so forth. So I'm excited um, about this new venture and just look forward to um, the event that takes place next All right, week. and you've been in the industry how long? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been in the industry for over, like, 20, 25 years. Wow. So, yeah. you, so out the womb. So out the womb. Out the womb. Out the womb. You I've stitching been. stuff up so you can sew? Yes. With so a sewing been, machine? Yeah. A singer? Uh, hmm? What brand? Um, oh, what? Oh, yeah. Like a singer, singer. Brand? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely a singer uh, sewing machine. I've been sewing since seven, so over 30 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, some people just have it. Yeah. Some people, either you have it or you don't. Um, back in the day, so mm -hmm. I'm going to date myself, right? Back in the day, we used to have this class called Home Economics. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah. girls had to learn how to do household things. Absolutely. Like sewing, cooking, etc. We used to have these things, I think they were called uh, patterns, mm -hmm. right? Like by Butter, was it Butterwick um, and but right, something uh -huh, with a uh -huh. S. I may be worst. Did you? Yes. I couldn't even make clothes for my doll. Really? 
You didn't have a good home economics teacher then. No, I think it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else was making Adidas suits. Oh, making me too. All types, that was my They were making one. all types of stuff. Yep. Adidas suits was the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I made a bull sweatsuit um, in sixth grade. That was our first home economics project, whether it was a stuffed animal and then you moved into apparel. And I did a whole bull sweatsuit had haters but it came out sharp nice. though well you lived in maryland why were you why would you do a bull sweatsuit um well <laughs> i know right um that's the pattern because the, it because was, the bullet uh, sucked uh, yeah michael jordan he was popular yeah. and i guess that was our selections in terms of yeah. who we could pick out of those so patterns. so um so you you mentioned the internships yes right tell me a little tell us tell our viewers a little bit about the internships because that should always pique people's ear up okay. T- talk to us about that um well, how cloth came into fruition, I had an intern um, this past whole semester um, of her last senior year um, at Georgia Southern. She uh, discovered me um, as a referral. Um, I'm a graduate of Clark Atlanta University, um, and I received my degree in fashion design, fashion merchandising. And so um, somebody referred her to me. She was looking for um, a fashion designer to work with but she wanted somebody that had her own business um, because she wanted to venture out and do of the same so I interviewed her um, so she was great she was a good fit um, young ready to learn and during that whole process of her interning with me I discovered that there was um, a disconnect in terms of small businesses Um, interacting and actually finding college seniors, um, especially in the creative sector. Um, I know uh, me going to college and looking for an intern, I I was able to come across fashion designers real known in Atlanta. And so, but that was me going to fabric stores and running into them. Um, I think the disconnect, um, especially um, HBCUs or you know, um, in terms of students, they their mindset is to look for corporations. Uh, yeah, and that's, you just get, end up getting lost in yeah. the shuffle, and you're not allowed. Corporations stifle creativity. Mm-hmm. Many cor- I take that back. No, I don't take it back. Mm-hmm. Corporations stifle creativity because you're going to encounter people who are sensitive if you if your work is better than theirs. Mm-hmm. In some cases, um, and I think especially for marginalized people, people who look like us. Um, we just have this sense of, I mean, when you look at the fashion industry, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about the 80s, mm-hmm. and then I look at what's happening now, I'm like, come on now, yeah. you guys can't be serious. Or the 90s, you can't be serious. Right. Like, we right. used to get demonized. Yes. <laughs> we used yes. to get demonized for dressing the way that we dress, and now it is like mm-hmm. hot fashion. And it used to be hard to get in. This industry used to be very hard to get in, but now it's oversaturated it's trends social media and all that good do you stuff, think so. do you think that the internet um, 4g things like that have kind of leveled the playing field uh, I think or so social media with social people media. being able to advertise and show themselves off yep I think so um, but I think there's a disconnect between gift and talent or just yeah. you know a seller of product okay um, and because I am gifted and talented, and you know artists. Artists put love and passion into it, and you can see it. And um, that's the extension and what I want to ensure that is a continuation of. Okay. Now, what services does Know the Cloth provide? So, Know the Cloth, again, it's... Oh, well, that's just the... Well, go ahead. Yeah, Cloth, um, it, it, is, um, it stands for Collaborators Lounge of the Happenings. So, it's to cultivate creative businesses, 
continue the legacy of entrepreneurship, um, provide workshops, um, provide internship opportunities to where those creative businesses, we want to connect with college seniors within those art fields, um, as well as conversation in terms of continuing collaborations among uh, creative businesses, particularly minority businesses. Um, so that's the starting point. Um, the marketplace uh, next Saturday, August 24th, is a fashionable brunch marketplace where I do bring in selective uh, vendors that I look at, makers, creators, designers. That's the idea, to find those creative businesses that actually make and create. And again, you can see that love in, in what their products are. Again, design. we're not talking about just sellers. We're talking about people that actually. So what if somebody is into knitting? Because there's somebody watching us right now who knits. I mean, she makes, like, nice shawls. She makes hats. I mean, she can make, not hats, like, you know, like the scarf. Right, like, like, all of that. She can knit anything, sweaters, all of it. Yeah. She should go. That's super dope. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's who I would want to look for. So okay. the vendors go through application. Um, so we look at application. We see what their wow, um, what was their wow moment. Um, and, you, and I have uh, T-shirt designers, but it's about... Their personal experience, okay. you know, what are, what they put on their shirt, how do we relate to it, um, and, and then what makes it so passionate to them. So that mix of thing. Uh, you know, I have DIY um, tables that are going to be uh, out of designers, including myself, to where um, you can personalize your own custom product. So it's really to get the community involved into art. Um, I say art is good health. So... Yeah, and the art is one of those things that they keep taking out of schools. Yes. And um, to me, when you take art out of a school, you're taking away people's uh, ability to experience other cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, dig into their own culture. Like now, when I go, I don't do social media that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do go on, um, like, Instagram, and I see all these clothing designers that look like me, and making clothes that are, you know, for someone shaped like me, it makes me, it gives me a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me want to try things and, you know, try different designers and things like that and not people that I'd find in the stores. Right. So I'm, I am, um, I've been taking a break on shopping until I can figure out, like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I support some of these young artists? And I consider them artists, mm-hmm. right? How do I suppo- support some of these young clothing designers um, without, you know, <laughs> taking, like, how do I know that it's good quality? How do I know? Mm-hmm. So there's all these all these things, but we'll get to that. We'll talk about Yeah, because you got we'll me now. Yeah, See yeah, our we'll clothing company no, right in front of you. I know, I know. I know. You're, you're a perfect client for me, <laughs> most definitely. So uh, on the 24th, this is going to be here in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Georgia. Where is it going to be? Um, it's at the Blank Canvas ATL in Castleberry Hills, uh, 321 Nelson Street. Um, people can purchase their tickets on Eventbrite, uh, cloth times collaboratorsbrunch.eventbrite.com. Okay. Or, of course, they can go on the website if they need to find it easier at um, knowthecloth.com. Now, do you do you find that the community is really supportive of you? Um, in, in some instances, yeah, uh, there, there are challenges, um, I think, within our community as a whole in terms of um, extending the support to investing. Ah, okay, okay. So i, I tell you what we're going to do. Uh, can you, do you have time to stick around? Oh, definitely. Okay, cool, yes. cool. Uh, when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I'll have my Emma Knows Money segment teaching you four tips, tech tips to get back at those scammers when we come back. Fix business. This is 
the American Greater vibes and an awesome mix. It's what weekends should strive to be. So relax. We'll take it from here. Not dumbed down since day one. SSNATL.com. with financial renaissance with the M's streaming live on Sensation Station Network. Sean's killing me with the music again. You're listening to us on SSNATL.com and if you're on Facebook go to Sensation Station Network hit the like button or go to them, like them and then you can watch us live. You can also put your comments in the comment section or you can text us at 678-613-5857 and as always you can always also tune in um, looking at our, uh, what is that my Facebook page, Emma Folks, Emma Knows Money, something like that. But we are here with Charla Mitchell from Hazel Eyes Fashion House and Company. I like Fashion House. Yeah. Sounds very Yes. yes, and the event that she's going to be hosting next week is called Cloth Times Collaborators. Yes, I said it right. Yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. And before the break, we were uh, talking about the event that's happening. What can people expect? Um, how, how many hours is it going to be? Is it all day? Is it four hours? It's twelve to three p.m. Okay. So um, brunch hour. So as they come in, I pretty much say it's shop, sip, eat, and vibe. Sip. There's going to be drinks? Oh, yeah. Alcohol, adult beverages? Yes, yes. It's oh. 21 and over. Um, and, yes, it's a self-serve brunch and cocktail bar. Okay. Um, and just a good vibe. I just want people to come in and not have any expectations, but the expectation is just to have a good time, view the vendors, shop with the vendors. Yeah, and meet other and people. And meet other meet people. Meet other people, I think, is the biggest yes. thing. Is like, come, the community has an event. There's going to be clothes. It's a clothing event. So I know a lot of people were upset earlier this year. Um, there were some sweatshirts that were made with nooses. There mm -hmm. were some keychains made with, you know, the big eyes and that whole minstrel uh, thing. And there were a lot of people that just kind of stepped out of bounds mm -hmm. uh, this year, pretending that they didn't know what was offensive, you know, uh, to people. And, you know, I don't walk around with a keychain with, like, little peenies or nothing like that, and I'm sure that would be offensive to certain people, but I would never make fun of a group of people and act like I didn't know what right, it was about. Absolutely. So I know a lot of people were very upset about it and said that, hey, I'm not spending my money anymore with a designer who wants to make fun of something that was culturally so painful. So next Saturday um, is a day for you to, if you're like me, that's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because you don't know where to put your dollars for your clothing and you want to support people that look like you, come out to the event. Now, what about this? The show is nationwide. And it's a mix, too. Like, there's, um, I also have um, a vendor that makes... Um, custom glasses so like in terms of like your what do you like to put your cabernet in what do you want to put your coffee in so it's actually a more lifestyle merchandise brand oh, so okay. i do have clothing i have art i have a mix of anything art facets okay mm -hmm. but okay. there are clothes so what about candle makers um well i have a, actually a business owner within the discussion um portion um at the event uh, she just opened um get lit candle bar okay she's actually my best friend so she'll actually be in the discussion talking about what is the importance of collaborations among one another nice. so yes nice mm -hmm. yes and i tell you what on financial renaissance with the m's i'm feeling in a giving mood today so 
if you want to go to this event next week, go ahead and um, what should they do, Sean? Text us. Text us at 678-613-5857, and um, Katrina will pick who's going to uh, get that free ticket. Right, Katrina? No. Yes? Yes. She's feeling giving today. So, uh, you know, also before the break, we talked about the support, mm -hmm. um, the support of the community. One of the things that happens a lot of times in our community when we're doing something, people want things for free yes. or they want discounts. So is, have you had that experience? Um, and how do you handle it when people hit you with the, oh, can I have this for free, Fitty? Yeah, can I have the friend <laughs> discount? Um, is that support? I don't think it's necessarily support. Um, I, as a business owner, I'm looking for clientele. Mm -hmm. And clientele to me is a continuous investment um, in my business. Um, always when I make a sale, I say thank you for your contribution. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Because you're contributing to my business in building and so that I can continue to service you. Okay. Um, support is support is good. I, I don't take away support. I have family support. I have um, organizational support. You know, and I just. Businesses as a whole to sustain yourself and grow. who are going to be consumers of the brand or, or of the product and service so that we can continue to have long stability in our business. I always think when people hear that you're a business owner, they're like, oh, they must have money or, oh, they must have this. And they don't think about the overhead. They don't think about the cost. They don't think about, you know, the, the intangible stuff like your time, what happened, what was going on in your brain. You know, a lot of us go to school to learn something or to hone our talent, you know, to sharpen our sword. And people take it for granted that just because something is up here that it should be free. Or the mindset that because we are people of color and we have a business, that our businesses are supposed to be cheap. And so this is where that discount situation comes into play. I put quality and love. I'm, I'm an exceptional sewer, and I put quality and love in my work as well as, you know, putting together my cloth events. I do my very best. So the expectation should play the same role as any other business outside of those being my non-minority. Yeah. You know? I, um, I, I, love, I love the passion. I, I got to tell you, I, 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 meet, when I meet a young person that's passionate about something, it just blows me away because I always feel like they're kind of looking at, at getting into a whole bunch of different things, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it really does feel good to see you so like passionate about your craft. Now, if people are not in the Atlanta area, because this shows all over the country, um, can they go online? How can they take part in the marketplace? Um, they can hit up IG at um, Know the Cloth, K-N-O-W-T-H-E-C-L-O-T-H, um, and just touch base, interact, um, as well as they can interact with me as uh, my fashion designer self at uh, CRCCO, which is also on Instagram. And just, you know, let me know you can contact, uh, connect. You know, Hartsfield Airport is just around the corner. Wow. And, hey, she's saying, buy a one, let's go. Buy this last-minute ticket and come on down. Actually, Absolutely. yes. We learned about an airline called Spirit, Trina, didn't we? Learned about an airline called Spirit. Spirit Airline or one of those little ones, like mm -hmm. if you jump on it, you know, if the tickets are like 25 bucks and then you pay another 25 for the for seat, bag. another 25 mm -hmm. for the seat belt, and then if you have a bag, you pay another. So that was what? 
$100 to get here to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want a seatbelt. Yeah, you, you want a seatbelt. If you want a seatbelt, <laughs> you can make it here for less than $100. Absolutely. But I, I think it's definitely going to be a good showing. And I love that you went to an HBCU. Yes. I love that you went to an HBCU. I'm seeing so much productivity coming out of HBCUs recently. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say recently. There's just more light on it. And, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know if it's because of you know, social media, et cetera, but I'm seeing some, oh my gosh. And we're being updated. I mean, I graduated from Clarkland in 2000 and my fashion department was literally like in the basement, moved to a church. Now we have our own building, Okay. you know, separate from the art department. We have a fashion design department. So, you know, over time, HBCUs are growing because they see uh, again, how great we are going to become. So, so who are some of your, so when, let's talk about fashion designers. Mm-hmm. Who are some of your inspirations? Well, as far as fashion designers, I don't really have in, inspiration people. Um, and eras are really my fashion inspiration. Ooh, uh, eras. Th- yeah, like the 60s and 70s. Um, I like how we dress classy, simplistic, um, but, you know, we had our own swag. Um, So I like to carry those um, type of styles and and style aesthetics within. And then I also look at, like, my parents and their friends and, you know, how they didn't leave the house looking unkept, you know. So those are really my fashion um, icons when I look at that. But, you know, ones that I admire, Tracy Reese, of course, um, my muse um, and soror, Josephine Baker, just how she just, whoever was dressing her or just the concept, just styling-wise, you know, performance. And, and then when she was out being in um, – and activism and stuff. Just you know she was a spy out. too, right? Yes. For, oh, oh, that, yeah. just, that blew my mind. When I found oh, yeah. that out, I was like, what? Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. So just all that, just that, that energy, um, that's how my fashion and ideas and creativity kind of work. Nice. So do you design for men or women, both? Um, I, I scale down. I do just women's ready to wear. Okay. A, a little sassy, definitely chic, alternatively timeless. Okay, so when we say ready to wear, that means off the rack? Um, what does that mean? Ready to wear means like every day, wear when ready. Like, you know, if you need to go to the boardroom, to the grocery store, to the girls, meet up for cocktails, gotcha, gotcha, date gotcha. night. Yeah, we definitely to have to talk because yeah. I've, I've, I've been on... Um, I've been protesting my wardrobe this summer, and I've only been wearing white shirts. Okay. Because it's hot, and I and I want to take the time away. I, so I stand in front of my closet, mm-hmm. and 20 minutes can go by because I'm trying to put stuff together. So mm. I've just decided I don't have the time. I need 20 more minutes every morning. So I've gone to one thing, one color, mm-hmm. and I've taken out all those other choices, and um, I'm bored now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I said I'll try this. Let me try this for a little while. Feel like it's a uniform or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that's. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to talk. Yeah, definitely. I, I do wardrobe consulting. I nice. go through people's closets. Nice. You know. Because nice. I mean, you're in entertainment. You, you know, your style and profile, and we have to continue uh, that most definitely. No. Yeah. Wow. Even if it's your frames turning white, because you now your 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 whole vibe is the white for a season. Yes, you know? yes, and that's actually what I was thinking. I was like, eh. So Memorial Day to Labor Day, I don't cook in my house. Mm. So this is the second thing that I've added on. So white shirts for Memorial Day to Labor Day, I don't have to. I take one choice, so I don't have to worry about what to cook, and then I don't have to worry about what to wear. Huh. A whole hour added back to my day. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> She'll tell you. I wake up in the morning. What's the first thing I think about? 
dinner. Uh-huh. What are we having for dinner tonight? Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. that person. Yes. <laughs> I'm always thinking about it. Listen, I've had this is this has been amazing, and I and I love your energy. I love your vision. I love the name of your company. Thank I get you. it now. Thank you. <laughs> I get it now. Um, so uh, and and big shout out to to Andrew Snorton. Yes. Andrew and I. I don't know if he told you he was one of my. One of the first friends I met when I moved to Atlanta okay. and back in 99. Okay. So we've known each other for just a little while. Yeah, he's great. Just a little while. We co-hosted a show uh, called Timely Talk for a while, about okay. a, for almost a year. And um, But, yeah, he's a great, great guy. Yeah, and definitely. when he told me what you were doing, I'm like, come on, let's do this. That's let's awesome. do this. Let's yeah. do this. So um, you want to tell people how to reach you, your phone numbers, all your emails, all that stuff. Sure, yep. So I can be reached at, again, Know the Cloth, K-N-O-W-T-H-E-C-L-O-T-H, either .com um, on my web or email at gmail dot com email at gmail email at gmail the well no that's not the yeah but come on know now. the cloth know the cloth <laughs> it's at, sunday morning at, right people are still waking up come still on kicking come it on. <laughs> say it one more time but yes it, uh know the cloth at gmail.com right and if you want a ticket to the event uh, you can go ahead and put a comment in our comment section or text us at 678-613-5857 and I'll make sure you get a personal ticket from me to you because I'm feeling generous today that's right so uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you is there do you want to give a shout out to your school your, your alma mater oh I always find a way make a way Clark Atlanta University yeah <laughs> yeah all right. So um, when we come back, uh, we're going to continue with the Great Land Robbery. I'm going to give you my top five stories of the day. And then the market movers and losers. So what's the weather? When you go to the ATL, you never know what the weather will be. But when you go to SSNATL.com, summer skies, 365, plus an awesome mix. Of Irving Hicks, up in there. Feel that, buddy? All day, every day. Yeah. All about bucks, kid. The rest is conversation. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, we are streaming live on SSNATL.com, and you are also watching us on Facebook at Sensation Station Network. If you want to join in the conversation, have a comment or thought, um, want to tell me what a great job I'm doing, you want to talk about our guest that we just had, uh, you can drop, you can text us at 678-613-5857. But listen, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to join me in Los Cabos, Mexico for the Life Lux Jazz Festival, November 7th through the 11th. You're gonna be nestled on the Sea of Cortez, enjoying artists like Gerald Albright, Incognito, and the Average White Band. And for more information, go to lifeluxjazz.com, and it's L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-Jazz.com. That's right, definitely wanna see you there. So. But first, let's talk a little bit, let's finish up our conversation that we were having about the great land robbery that happened uh, in America. Um, I talked about the size of land that disappeared on a daily basis from black farmers. Okay, so let's, let's rewind a little bit. I mentioned that, you know, back in the day, um, you know, 14% 
of, of all the agricultural land um, was owned by black people, and most of it was in the state of Mississippi, in that Delta region. And a lot of the corporations, a lot of, you know, whether it was, um, you know, the, the, the judges, if it was the police, if it was just other uh, residents of towns, they did what they had to do to try to squeeze that land away from the black landowners. Because land is king, just like cash is king. If you own land, um, land is only going to grow. And it doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. If you own a piece of land, hang on to it. And that's what a lot of these black farmers wanted to do. But they were not able to pass this land on to their, um, to their loved ones or their descendants. You know, So back in the day, um, from the year 1950, to 1969, six million acres of land was lost by black farmers. So that ended up equating to about the land the size of Central Park for almost 20 years was lost each day. And in the South, um, we had black owned cotton farms. And those just about disappeared. It went from 87,000 black owned cotton farms to just over 3,000, all right? So that, that's a lot of wealth that was just wiped completely off the map, okay? So looking at the, um, according to the census of agriculture, the racial disparity in farm acreage actually increased in Mississippi from 1950 to 1964. Black farmers lost almost 800,000 acres of land. Let that sit in. 800,000 acres of land, gone, 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 gone. Okay, well, gone, 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 gone. So if you have something that you're working on and you want to pass it down to the next generation, what happens if you take out a loan up against that property? And, and think about how a lot of our loved ones lost, and this is not a black thing, it's not a white thing, it's an American thing to take advantage of those that may not have the knowledge. Um, I don't think that that's a fair thing to do. That's like stealing from a child or stealing from somebody that's elderly. There's just something stinky about it. So the Atlantic, the magazine that I got all these factoids from, they actually paid a research team and the research team did an analysis. The research team comes from the University of Massachusetts and Ohio State. And they translated this land loss into a financial loss so we can put numbers by it. So when people say that, hey, we can't put a numbers to reparation, it's a lie because we have a number of what the, the, the labor would have cost if they had to pay the slaves. And then we can translate that, we can forward that into today's dollars. We can also take that same amount and put it to what happened during Reconstruction and, the, and then the Jim Crow era. A lot of uh, black men were forced into slavery again, but they put them in jail. So there was free labor again, and we can also quantify that with a dollar amount. So here, let's continue talking dollars because you know Emma knows money, right? So let's look at this, including both property and income. When we look at the financial loss, it translates to between 3.7 billion to 6.6 .6 billion in today's dollars. That's how much money has been wiped away. Out of the African-American community, the black community, what other, what other, what any other names you want to come up with for people who look like me, the descendants of African slaves in the United States of America lost between 3.7 billion to 6.6 .6 billion in farm land. 
in today's dollars, okay? Not talking about any other, you know, there were different cities and little things that happened around, I shouldn't say little, things that happened around the country in the early 1900s. This is another one of those, okay? So again, wealth wiped off the map, washed, rinsed, and repeat, and laundered until it ended up on Wall Street. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to have my top five stories as well as our market movers and losers. We're going to have my top five news stories coming up as well as my market movers and losers. But first, we need to talk about what in the heck is going on in Hong Kong. All right. As Americans, we have this habit of uh, not paying attention to what's going on in other countries or what happens in other countries doesn't affect us. We really do have this kind of tribalism thing going on. You know, I mean, we're one of the few countries where um, in schools, even though other languages are taught, a lot of people graduate from high school, college, and we only speak one language. You look at people from other countries, they're able to speak other languages. It is very important that in today's world, and especially in the climate we're in now, we're in a global economy. And if all you're focusing on is the United States, you are um, going to uh, short sight yourself, okay? So looking at um, what's been happening this weekend, um, actually last week, uh, Hong Kong is pumping billions of dollars into their economy because they are on the verge of a recession. And what's happening over in Hong Kong right now is there have been protests for, I believe it's been almost a quarter. So it's been about 10 weeks they have been protesting over there. Um, businesses have been disrupted. Um, they, the protesters have actually body slammed the financial markets overseas, okay? Um, next week, I'll tell you a little bit more about the, the financial ascension of Hong Kong and how they broke away from China a little bit. And China wants, they, maybe they just want more, one more chance. They want to be given a chance and they want Hong Kong to come back under the fold of, uh, of China but the, the people in Hong Kong is 7 million people, and they're having pro-democracy protests. Hong, China is not a democratic country, although they have a president who just decided that he will be the final president. <laughs> so that is not considered a democracy. But what the protesters have done is, in order to get the attention of everyone and the world, for that matter, is they shut the airport down. And when you shut the airport down, there's going to be rippling effects. Over 1,100 flights have been canceled last week. Um, I think they shut the airport down for about two or three days. The police have been pretty rough um, with the people in Hong Kong. You know, there's been um, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not uh, China wants everyone to look at China as one China. That's their new theme, and that includes Hong Kong. And Hong Kong is saying, pump the brakes. We don't want anything to do with communism or whatever's going on over there. We've got our own economy. We're doing great. Leave us alone. Uh, so this is definitely a story we're going to have to peel back the layers on because you need to understand the history of Hong Kong. You should also understand the history of China, what happened, you know, especially when we look at a colonization. Uh, what did Great Britain do over there, and what did Great Britain do that led to the rise of, of Hong Kong? Um, man, it, it has been absolutely insane. Um, in our markets as well, things have been going crazy. Um, manufacturing, um, last, or I should say, manufacturing is one of those things that people are going to keep looking at um, to see if 
manufacturing does well, then maybe the United States does well. But what I'm going to tell you is manufacturing is one piece, and it is one of those things that we look at, but is manufacturing our salvation? If we bring manufacturing back to the United States and we start making stuff, is that the wave of the future, or do we really strongly need to consider technology? Um, many people say that, you know, hey, I, I don't understand this computer stuff, yada, yada. Computers have been in our lives now since the mid-90s. And you need to learn how to use it. And if you don't know how to use it, you need to make sure your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, godchildren, everybody needs to learn how to use a computer. Uh, public libraries, if you're not familiar with computers, public libraries have computers on standby for you to use for free. If you want to be part of this economy in the future, make sure you understand how to use a computer. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, my market movers and los sirs. Just sing the song. I'm living my best life. Do it. And we're here to help with Smart Talk from programs like this. Your nation's urban station. Online on SSNATL.com. <laughs> We are now going into my market, movers and losers. Let's find out what in the heck happened last week. All right. Huh, let's look at these gaming stocks. The gaming stocks were all in the green last week. So last week, the market dropped, the market bounced back up, the market dropped, the market bounced back up, the market dropped, the market bounced back up. Here's what you need to know about volatility. If we are in the recession now, and if we are on our way down, it's going to be volatile on the way down. Just like it was volatile on the way up, it'll be volatile on the way down. So the gaming stocks this week, Microsoft, Sony, EA, um, Electronic Arts, GameStop, Zynga, uh, Take-Two Interactive, Activision, Blue Mobile, and Hoya, Hoya, were all in the green. They all finished the week up. Cannabis stocks. Um, only Kronos and Tilray were down. We had Aurora Cannabis, Canopy Growth, and GW Pharmaceuticals finish the week in a positive note in the green. Um, you know, looking at, let's look at this luxury retail board. Luxury retail board, everything finished in the green um, globally because the luxury retail market, we're looking at the European market, we're looking at the... Um, the British market as well as the United States. So Moet Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, Ralph Lauren, Tapestry, Estee Lauder Companies, Tiffany, Hermes, Hearing, and Burberry Group all finished in a positive light last week. So who do we have left? Our sneakers, sneakerheads, sneaker stocks, all finished positive. Nike, Adidas, Pumas, Under Armour, and Skecher, including Foot Locker, all finished up. Now, there is a new sneaker deal. Um, between Nike and the and Foot Locker, and they, you know, I think Foot Locker probably sells about 80% of Nike stuff anyway, but they have a new deal that's coming up, and um, it's called Discover Your Air Campaign, which is exclusively, they're going to sell um, Nike sneakers, um, so yeah, we'll find out, we'll have a little bit more on that next week, I'll probably do a story on it to, to just dig into that a little bit. Now, Recession Watch, Dow Jones Average, S&P 500, and the NASDAQ all finished up. The Dow Jones U.S. Home Construction Index also finished up. Now, something was tighter, 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 tight, like kissing cousins tight, like uh, things are getting a little creepy here. Well, yeah, things got creepy last week. We are less than a tenth of a percent between the 10-year 
treasury inverting with the two-year treasury. You know, before it was about 50, you know, 50 basis points, half a percent. Now we're down to less than a tenth of a percent. Last week, the 10-year treasury finished at 1.56 percent, and the two-year treasury closed at 1.48 percent. I'm just saying, remember, when the two-year yield is more than the 10-year, we are smack dab, the recession has started. So, um, oil and gas was also, um, oil finished up last week, natural gas, gold, silver finished down, wheat finished up, and copper finished down. Why are those important? Because we should be paying attention to all of that stuff, all right? Uh, when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to get into my top five, top five news stories for the week. If you're looking for that ratchet, you're in the wrong place. It's the nation's urban internet station, sensation station network. We're back to the mix. Just like that. So make sure you share us with your friends at Not Dumb Down on Facebook. We are back on Financial Renaissance with the M's. That's weird music. That reminds me of Public Enemy. That's what that sounded like to me. Hey, listen. First and foremost, I want to make sure that when I read different stocks that are doing good, good, bad, and different, up, down, I'm not endorsing any stocks by any stretch of the imagination, but I want you to pay attention to what's going on. Um, as far as the sneaker stocks, them being up right now, everything being up right now just has to do with the overall global volatility. Okay, so it, it, it is no indication of any strength. What is about to happen, though, are because of the tariffs, a lot of these things, especially the sneakers, they're going to put a 30% tariff on tennis shoes. Um, they're going to put a tariff on electronics. So if, if you're looking at getting a new phone, if you're looking at getting tennis shoes, getting just about anything that you need, you have until September 1st to get it or you're gonna have to pay more money that's right but first let's go on to my top five stories of the week so home buying and millennials millennials seem like they don't want to buy a home according to a lot of experts because the repair costs too much so there is a new app a subscription service called shelter and what they're going to do is proactively help you care for your home and mitigate any issues with the before, before they become costly repairs. It's gonna cost about $400 a year. And basically what they're gonna come in, it's like a physical, they're gonna come in, take a look at your house, the inside and out. If they see anything that's wrong, they're gonna you know, tell you what the repairs are gonna cost. You go out, you get them fixed, or let's say you want them to hang something up or do something, they can also take care of that stuff for you for, all, for a extra, little bit of an extra cost. Home repairs are a lot cheaper if you catch them before things go wrong. So we'll, if anybody is using shelter, let us know here at the station um, on the show. Um, I'd definitely like to see what you think of that. Next story we have has to do with the $1.5 trillion student debt crisis. And why is it that the government has most of these student, student loan debts? So the federal government owns 92% of the student loan market and only 8% has been left with the private lenders. And if you wanna know how that transpired, let's you know go back to the recession when the um, federal government bailed out the banks. 
they also took off their books a lot of our student loans. So 44 million Americans hold student loan debt. Um, and more than a tenth of that debt is in serious delinquency or in default. Uh, as of the first quarter of this year. So, you know, we'll be looking at, 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 at student loan debt. What do they need to do to repair it? But the question that most people want to know is, how did it get this bad? Who made it this bad? And you're not going to believe who it is. It was Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan is the culprit for the current student loan debt crisis that we're in because he embraced the idea that every student and family should be on their own and pay for college. So he didn't make any investments into Pell Grants. So they, he felt that if you wanted to go to college, you can take a loan for it. The government doesn't have to help out. So that's one of those things that we're going to need to look at. Um, the people that are running for president, they're going to have to figure out how to fix it. But one of the things that, as I was reading this, this article about the student loan debt crisis, again, there's no discussion of income. Everyone's talking about the, you know, the inflation on colleges, you know, 6% or more every year is the cost of inflation uh, for college tuition. Inflation goes up about 3% a year. Household incomes have just about been stagnant for the last 40 years. So that's why there's such a disparity. It has more to do with income than anything else. Now, looking at our next story, we're talking about New York City, my home, big city of big dreams, the big apple in the water. They tell us in school, they tell us everything about us is great. Katrina doesn't like that. So New York City raised their minimum wage to $15 an hour. And this was supposed to bring about a apocalypse, apocalypse in the restaurant industry. And that is not what happened. So net, um, New York City restaurant workers saw their pay increase by 20%, just about done. And restaurant workers service, people in the restaurant industry, service industry are usually the lowest paid people. They usually um, survive off of tips and things like that. And fortunately, it looks like um, the restaurant industry in New York City outperformed the rest of the United States in job growth and expansion. Okay, so that argument about the $15 an hour, um, that it's going to harm small businesses. And again, all businesses have not been put to the test yet. This is just a, a small percentage. And so we're, we'll still be looking at this. But right now, it looks like New York City's restaurant industry um, has had a boom. And they've raised their workers' uh, wages to 15% an hour. All right, let's look at this next story. Jigga. Jigga what? Jigga who? And Will Smith. They are coming up with a kind of an Airbnb for camping. So let's say you have some property. You know, I've been talking about getting into this gig economy. And how do you, you know, make some extra money without leaving your house? Um, you don't want to Airbnb your place out because you don't want strangers in your house or whatever. But let's say you have a lot of land. And those of us in the southern region of the United States... Usually we're on like a quarter of an acre, half acre, whatever. We've got all this land and we're not allowed to build on all of it. In, in parts of uh, Georgia, most of Georgia, you have to keep a certain amount of green space. But here's what we can do with it. We can rent it out to people who want to camp. That's right. There are people who, you know, for budgetary reasons, maybe decide that they want to camp out in your backyard, possibly even your front yard if you want to piss off your neighbors. So look for this new app that's going to be coming out uh, by way of Jay-Z and Will Smith, and it's going to change the camping industry, and it's called uh, Hip Camp. So when that comes out, again, you'll be able to rent out your backyard and front yard to perfectly good strangers. <laughs> All right. Last story. 
has to do with living in the south, south of the border that is. There is a woman, 63 years old, who has been living on a beach in Mexico for about $1,000 a month. That's right. She lost her job in the United States. Things were going pretty bad. Um, and in her, the industry that she was in, she was a journalist. You know, as things were, you know, moving online, a lot of people that were at the brick and mortar, um, you know, newspapers, et cetera, magazines, they, they got shut out. Um, if they didn't move online and pick up blogging, they got shut out. So what this woman did is she moved down to Mazatlan. She realized that, hey, um, she was a single mother of three. She was trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And uh, so she came up with something to do in that town for, um, for tourists when they came by. She produced some stuff in English, et cetera, et cetera. Now she's got a farmer's market. You know, she's living great. She says she will never, ever, ever, ever move back to the United States. But let's look at how, let's break this $1,000 down because that's the thing that, that is just getting to me. So for rent, she's spending $210 a month in rent, including water and electricity for a one-bedroom. To gas her car up, she pays about 150 a month. Food about 250, and again down there is probably fresh fruits and vegetables and stuff. She pays 22 dollars for Wi-Fi, 18 for a phone, and she uses some of those free things like WhatsApp, Facebook to make international calls, and even entertainment. She says is cheap. She can go to the movies for under five dollars. I, I don't. That's like. I don't ever remember a ticket being $5 except for uh, this little movie theater we used to go to in Queens Village. It was disgusting. I think we paid $3. She even has a vet who makes house calls for $15. She has a bike repair person. Um, now, she did say that travel was a little bit expensive, but here's the, here's the kicker. It's health care. She spends about $1,500 a year on health care down in Mexico with an international health insurance company. Her deductible is 1000 and she says she rarely meets it because routine health care in Mexico is inexpensive. Even when she wants to go to visit the doctor, it's about 30 bucks, and she can get appointments the same week, sometimes even the same day. And the dentist, okay, because that's one of those things that's not covered by Medicare and, or Medicaid or any of that other stuff. Two dental crowns cost this woman $135. So if it looks like uh, retirement's going to be a little bit of a struggle for you, okay, you can think about going south of the border, living on a beach somewhere, make sure you have enough money to come back to the United States if you need to, but pick up Spanish. You know, start being nice to your Spanish neighbors. Converse with them. Because for your retirement, you may need to go live down there. That's right. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Trina, would you live on the beach? In Mexico? She doesn't know. But uh, I don't know what they do about fresh water, bottled water, and all of that stuff down there. But I wouldn't. I don't think I would have a problem staying down there a couple couple months out of the year, especially the cold months here. Like November, December, January, or like December, January, and February. I could see us down there. December, January, and February, we can go stay in Mexico. Um, we'll have to look at that. I mean, I don't know if I can still do my job, but I can do the, the radio show from there. That's right. All right, so those are my top five stories for the week. When we come back, Emma Knows Money, I'm going to teach you four tips to tell those scammers to go away. You can do it! You can do it! You can do it. If you have the questions, we have the answers. Right. Go to SSNATL.com and click on the contact tab. As much as you like. We're the nation's urban station. Online. SSNATL.com.
segment of MNO's Money is brought to you by AARP Georgia. I am giving you something that you deserve, something that you need to have. Four tech tips to out tech the scammers. That's right. Four. All right. The first one has to do with the United States Postal Service. So when you think about the United States Postal Service and the word tech, there's got to be a disconnect there. I know it has been for me because many a times I have given them a package or sent something via the United States Postal Service and it has disappeared. Many a time I get the wrong mail in my mailbox. My neighbor's mail, they get my mail. You have to do this exchange. It's a nice way for us to meet our neighbors. So thank you USPS for making neighbors uh, learn each other's names and addresses again. So United States Postal Service is actually offering um, each delivery day you can get an email sent to you with the contents of what they are going to put into your mailbox. So let me say this again. Before the mailman delivers your mail, you will get an email telling you what is coming and they're gonna be scanning it in, um, sending a picture of it so that you'll know what it is. The email is gonna detail the packages that are gonna arrive that day or soon. So it's almost like tracking. Um, and now you can cross check your mail for theft. So if there was something that the post office says that they put out to go into your mailbox and it's not there within a day or two, then you know it definitely was stolen. So how do you sign up for this? I want you to go to informeddelivery.usps.com and it's a free service and that way you can track the mail that should be in your mailbox when you get home. <clears throat> the next uh, tech tip has to do with robocall blocking. And this is gonna be either free to about $5 a month. And there's three ways to block robocalls. One, you sign up for the uh, federal do not call registry, okay? Which, you know, should limit the amount of sales pitches you get. It doesn't limit the amount I get. My phone blows up all the time. So, which goes back to why I don't answer my phone. Second thing you can do is check with your phone services provider. So if you're with AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, who have you, they should also have some stuff to protect you. And the third thing that you can do is sign up for a third-party robocall blocker, all right? And most of these are for your um, mobile phones. Some of them can also um, cover your home phones, too, if you actually have one of those. Some of the respected services are Nomo Robo, <laughs> Nomo Robo, uh, Umail, which is the one that I use, Truecaller, and also Robo, Robo Killer. So to get started, to get on the Do Not Call Registry, that's the first thing that you should do. That number is 888 3821222. And if you ever get one of those scamming calls, tell them that you're going to report them and that you're on the do not call list. Um, and then for the other third party um, ones that I mentioned, no mo robo. Oh, no mo robo. <laughs> um, you can actually go to their website. You can go to Umail's website. You can go to True Caller's website as well as RoboKiller's website. You can sign up. And again, some of these are free. Some of these you may have to pay. But it's a good thing to do. It, it really limited the amount of uh, robocalls that I got. I used to get about 15 a day, and now I may get about two to three. Uh, the third thing that we can do, and this I had to make my, my the people in my office do this, password managers, okay? Uh, these can be free up to uh, $120 a year. And let me tell you why this is important. We have to have passwords for everything. And you know that these hackers are smarter than us. They go on Facebook and they look at the names of our cats, our dogs, our parents, 
any personal information that they can find out about us, put it in this little machine called the computer, and it does all these things, and then they try to guess at your password. And a lot of times our passwords really aren't that great, um, even if we come up with sentences and et cetera, et cetera. So a password manager um, will keep help you keep track of all the passwords that you have, whether it's on your computer, your cell phones, your iPads, what have you. So now you only need to remember one main password um, <laughs> for your stuff. And uh, the companies that you can look at are Dashlane, LastPass, and 1Password, the number one password. Now, LastPass a couple of years ago got hacked. And the hackers got in, but they weren't able to get anything. They weren't able to get any of the passwords because they were encrypted. And LastPass made you, you know, log back in and they have the two two-factor authentication and all that good stuff but this is a great way to keep track with, of all the passwords that we have and with some of these you can even share it with your family members which is muy importante right Trina all right the last thing that you can do and this one is free this has to do with bank and credit alerts and I've signed up for this and it's a little bit of a pain but it's also a level of comfort um, anytime you spend money whether you're using your debit card or um, credit card, et cetera, you will get a text message or an alert, a notification on your phone letting you know which card was used and how much was spent and in some cases even where it was spent. So you'll know immediately if someone who shouldn't be tapping into your account is doing that. You can call right away or you, know, you can text no, whatever. Call the bank, call the credit card company and tell them to uh, deny the charges. So the way that you, um, you, you set this up, you go to your bank's website or you go to, into the branch and tell them that you want the bank and credit alerts, okay? And uh, that should, you know, help you a little bit to make sure that you're at least putting a nice fence around you and your loved ones from the scammers and everybody else that's out there trying to get what we've worked really, really hard for. And that's my four tips on Emma Knows Money. Lots of people meet friends and potential love interests online through dating sites, social media, or mobile apps. It can be a great way to meet people, but not everyone is who they say they are online. In fact, scams related to online relationships are on the rise. It's a red flag if the person wants to move quickly to personal email or instant messaging to continue talking. Professors love quickly, claims to be from the United States but is working or traveling abroad, plans to visit but cancels at the last minute, ask for money to deal with an emergency or ask you to open a bank account for them. Here are some things you can do. Cut off contact if you suspect a scam. Watch your wallet. Don't wire money, send cash, or put money on gift cards for someone you know only online. Learn more about online relationship scams at aarp.org backslash fraudwatchnetwork. If you have the questions, we have the answers. Right. Go to ssnatl.com and click on the contact tab. As much as you like. We're the nation's urban station. Online. ssnatl.com. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We had a great show. We had uh, Charla Mitchell with Know the Cloth. That's going to be a great event. And again, if you are not in the Atlanta area or will not be in Atlanta next Saturday, 
Uh, you can go to knowthecloth.com, learn a lot, uh, learn more about the event. Um, and if you're into um, supporting your community, and the community doesn't have to be a color thing, it could be where you live thing, you know what I mean? Support small businesses. Go to knowthecloth.com and, and, and interact with some of the vendors. I'm sure there's something there that you can find. I also want to give a... Uh, I guess it's a shout out to my Greenwood Wealth Management team for holding it down while I was in Tampa last week. Jeffrey Wright, Shardaya Aegis, thank you for all that you do. Even Nicole Swanson up in Iowa. I appreciate each and every one of you for what you do for us. And you too, Donna, you know I always appreciate you. Now, buy your tickets for Life Lux Jazz. Come down to Los Cabos and hang out on the beach with Petrina and myself. Uh, it's gonna be a great event. And also, it's not just about uh, the music. There are also going to be workshops. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, this is going to be a holistic event, a holistic experience, if you will. So come down. I'll be doing a segment, um, a workshop on um, um, financial planning for caregivers, telling people who are kind of stuck in that you know, age range where you're trying to get your kids out of the house and off to college, and then you also have to help take care of your parents. And for a lot of people, our parents got tricked. Um, they got suckered out of, as we've heard, land. They've got suckered out of great jobs. They got suckered out of their pensions. They got suckered out of a whole bunch of stuff. So we may have to um, look at taking care or providing care for our parents. And for some people, even if they did what they needed to do financially, um, their cognitive abilities start to diminish sometimes as they get older and that's where we come in so just I'll be teaching people how to juggle you know there's a lot of emotions that you have to do with that so you know again what a great show we had next week AARP is going to be our uh, special guest so definitely looking forward to that show we'll be talking about some form of fraud ways to protect yourself and in, in, in September you know, we are going to have some politicians on, local politicians. Um, I, I want to find out what their plans are to make us strengthen our community. You know, I believe in the trickle up versus the trickle down. So what can we do on the main street level to just kind of boost our economy, uh, get things going? And remember, even if we are in a recession, it is not necessarily a bad thing. Make sure that if you have money in savings, if you are waiting for an opportunity, that you take advantage of the down market when it gets here. And when it gets here, not these, you know, the volatility. Wait till it gets here, then, you know, do a little something, something. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff going on with our economy, and we'll, we will definitely and always bring the latest and the greatest of what's happening on Washington and on Wall Street, uh, on Wall Street to you. So coming up next, we have Sensational Smooth Sunday. And as always, one love, one heart. Uh, let's make our ancestors proud. Green.